Today, music nights on BBC Two are the best. Jenny here, live, and what a job I have tonight, introducing The Beatles. And this is brand new. I hope my BBC Welsh voice will do. Welcome to this week's When They Was Fab. I'm Ed Chin. And I'm Lonnie Pena. And what we hope is not going to become an annual thing. I am in the midst of COVID version two this year. Oh, no. I hate to hear that. But you still, you sound good, Ed. You don't sound bad. I had it for a couple days. I'm through the worst of it as far as the congestion. But I am still positive. So Lonnie and I are... As we sometimes are in different spaces. Yeah, you're about four miles south of me or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we we got a number of things going on in the Beatle world. First off, there's a story going around and the new guitar player is reporting that quite possibly the stolen McCartney Hofner, the Cavern Hofner, has been found. Yeah, the hunt may be over. Columbo? I still have my doubts just how lost it ever was. As mentioned, there are stories that MPL has been given notification exactly where it was for some number of years, and they were given a price and they just didn't want to pay it. Oh, okay. We'll see whether that is the case or not. I have to update my brave face then. <laughs> now, at least the music video. <laughs> well, the Japanese collector's in prison from that video. So. There you go. Wrongfully ag- acquitted. <laughs> or rightfully acquitted. Rightfully acquitted. <laughs> now, as for someone who will be making money off of Beatles stuff, a story has gone out today on artnet.com indicating that the Sutcliffe estate is not only going to put up their remaining paintings from Stuart Sutcliffe. They're also going to be auctioning off whatever Beatles and Beatles memorabilia he had left over that was returned to them from Ostrid and that was in Stuart's mother and sister's home. Okay. A treasure trove of paintings and letters by the fifth Beatle is up for sale and the collection even includes a novel on the late great John Lennon. The Sutcliffe estate, previously managed by Stuart Sutcliffe's sister Pauline before her passing, is looking for a buyer for the entire archive. There is no link to the auction yet. I'm sure it's going to be way above my wallet. (laughs) I'm sure I was trying to figure out if I could afford to go to Ringo, much less anything else. (laughs) Not only is Ringo going to Mexico City and doing a residency in Vegas, he is Mm -hmm. going to be doing at least two shows in Texas and possibly a third. Yes, indeed. He's coming to Hidalgo, Texas, and he's going to Austin, Texas. So he's going to Central Texas and... South Texas, way south. You couldn't get any further south, folks, without getting into Mexico and Hidalgo, Texas. Yeah, Hidalgo is very definitely (laughs) a stop between Vegas and Mexico City. Yeah. We'll see how that goes as well. And then finally, Paul McCartney and Paul Muldoon have introduced Series 2 of the Life and Lyrics podcast. So starting February 7th, the next 12 episodes will be available. Okay, we got to give that a listen to. It is weekly from Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, starting on February 7th. Okay. But if you pay the company $7. McCartney, A Life in Lyrics is a co-production between iHeartMedia, MPL, 
and Pushkin Industries. You will have access to the whole series ad-free. Okay, so you can binge listen to it. That is my plan. I will subscribe to Pushkin for the month of February and download all the episodes and you know have the whole second season. Okay. There has been no announcement of a third season, but hopefully things go well enough. And from all accounts, people are downloading this thing and listening to it. Yeah, and there's enough for at least five seasons, right? They could conceivably turn every entry in the lyrics book into an episode of a podcast. Yeah. I mean, not that they will, but they could. See, between our podcast that we're doing and then your other podcast, Toppermost, I'm, I'm going to have a plenty to listen to <laughs> in my travels. I'm going to make a list. <laughs> All right. On to our main topic. One thing which was kind of overlooked by everybody a little bit over the holidays on BBC Two and then repeated on BBC Four a couple of times was a special that they called The Beatles and the BBC. Hmm. Oh, I missed it. It never aired here. Okay. And as far as I know, it's not available on BBC Select okay. or any of our local services. So it didn't air on like BBC America? Uh, not that I know of. That's something different. Okay. So BBC, was it on BBC One? Two, uh, BBC Two. Okay. And then it was repeated a couple times on BBC Four. Okay. Well, how many BBCs are there nowadays? Uh, good question. <laughs> we'll have to ask Marv the next time that he's on the show. You know, if you consider BBC One, that's like the flagship channel. That's where your big dramas go. BBC Two's for more like your, for your quirkier stuff, you could argue. Some more artsy stuff. The BBC Four does that as well. BBC Three's for the young adults, that 18 to 34 demographic. And BBC Four's for the more documentary, more archival. I think those four channels, that's a nice, that's a nice balance. That's a nice dynamic. The Beatles and the BBC. There are a couple of really new bits. I mean, most of this is stuff we've had before, although the quality is all really pretty good. It's a documentary of the sorts? Kind of a documentary. What it really was, was they wanted to put together a Beatles special because uh, Now and Then was coming out. Oh, okay. They wanted to cash in on Now and Then. Okay. That makes sense. So the BBC said, well, what can we do to cash in on now? And then, well, you know, we got all this stuff. We can air it. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's a lot of stuff I've seen. There's those tidbits I may have not seen in a while. And both for better and for worse, they kind of went pop-up video on that. What was the cute beetle doing in a Tokyo jail cell? Should George Harrison get his own sitcom? Why did Ringo Starr get small? For you kids who don't remember what pop-up video was, I guess it was the early 2000s VH1 when they got tired of showing music videos. So how could they make it different? They went and they found little facts and stuck little bubbles over the videos telling you little bits of information. Yeah, and you actually had the little bubble sound that would pop up. The audio of a bubble would, would also pop up. You could hear that. So let's pop up videos in a bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have sort of aped that here for this. It's VH1, BBC2. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. What it reminds me of is back in the day when you were trading tapes and stuff and someone would have, oh, here's a bunch of miscellaneous Beatles stuff. And you never knew exactly what was on it until you got the tape and you put it in your VCR. That goes back some ways, Dad. We did that quite a bit. <laughs> in the 80s and the yeah. 90s. Yeah. And then he, even into the early DVD era, you would kind of... To some extent, the DVD. The best part of it was VHS, though. You remember meeting in a parking lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, here's my tape. Where's your tape? <laughs> Since this is the BBC doing it, they actually really had pretty good quality. Yeah, they did. The big... Real win here is that there are a couple songs off of the Mersey Sound, and they used the magnetic tape while we've never had that source for the audio before. It's always just been the optical soundtrack. Yeah, and for the most part, they played the entire song. 
pretty much. There's one or two exceptions. Yeah, that was one cool thing about it. You got most of the song. And if you're wondering, the premiere was Saturday, the 4th of November. So that was just right after now and then came out between 8.30 and 9.35 on BBC Two. Okay. Let's go through what they have here. We'll throw in little tidbits and we'll throw in some of the pop-ups, which we found interesting. It started with an interview from October of 1963, where the Beatles are talking to the interviewer about the accents, the RP pronunciation, and, oh, is anybody going to understand you using your Liverpool accents? Are you going to change your show for the upcoming Royal Variety performance? And John Lennon has a lot of fun with that. John Lennon's expression is like, yeah, right. And they sort of mock the interviewer. Ever so slightly. (laughs) I don't understand that, Teddy. (laughs) I don't know if that would be politically correct these days who knows i don't know (laughs) the point is at the time the liverpool accent was almost slang you know yeah i guess it was frowned upon well it was lower class i mean lower class okay that's the whole george martin story was that yeah why does george martin speak like that because he was determined to train himself to speak like that are you going to lose some of your liverpool dialect for the royal show no, but, you know, we don't all speak like the BBC. <laughs> right, we don't all speak like that, do we? But I come up north. Well, with that, all I can do, lads, is to uh, wish you lots and lots of luck at uh, Royal Thank Shore. you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so a lot. Much. Jolly good. Cheerio. <laughs> that was from London, and that was from okay. October of 63, right before they did Royal Variety. Okay. The second clip is the first of the Mersey Sound clips. The Mersey Sound, it, we're all pretty familiar with it had she loves you and a twist and shout on it if you haven't seen the entire thing you have seen the entire thing it's where all those interviews come from oh i want to be a hairdresser john and i will go off and write songs that's also where we got those clips of george and ringo being inundated in their car as they tried to drive down the road i remember that What's new is that we got the audio off of the Magnetic soundtrack, which was recorded separately from the Optical soundtrack. Okay. Keeping notes here. We start to go into some of the pop-ups that they have here. The band were persuaded to take part in the program by BBC Manchester producer Don Hayworth, and its broadcast coincided with John Lennon's 23rd birthday. So that would be the October the 9th. October the 9th, or October the 10th, actually, but close enough. Okay. 1963. Because they didn't want crowd noise over it, they had the Beatles record their songs separately in the morning. Oh, it was no audience. There, there was recorded. no audience. Okay. So all the crowd noise was overlaid later. Well, the crowd noise was overdubbed. Overdubbed. What what they did was they filmed the crowd at their show the previous evening. Okay. And superimposed them and overdubbed the crowd noise onto it. And boy, can you tell. (laughs) You will not see the Beatles and the crowd in the same room together. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This would become the very first time Canada would see the Beatles because they would sell this... To the Canadian market. Oh, okay. As Pierce Hemmingson let us know, She Loves You would actually top the Canadian charts in November of 63. And part of that was because Mersey Sound aired across Canada in 63. So it was aired prior to November the 22nd. The assassination of JFK. Oh, it certainly is still a big deal, but it wasn't quite as big a deal in Canada as it was here. I suppose not. I don't have the air dates in front of me, but I, you know, it, it was in mid to late fall of 1963 okay. that it aired. Canada got its look at the Beatles before we did. Okay. And then the other thing is that the BBC sold the performance pieces to the Jack Parr Show on NBC. Okay, and that's when we got our first glimpse. And Brian Epstein was very upset about that because Sullivan had exclusive rights. 
Now, Jack Parr, that was Tonight's show. Well, that oh, was yeah. post-Tonight show. That was post-Tonight show. That's yeah, right. He, yeah, he'd already handed the Tonight show off to Johnny Carson, and he came back and did a primetime show. Okay. That was the show. And that was in January of 64. Parr makes snarky comments throughout the whole thing. All in all, this was actually really pretty important footage for a number of reasons. Yeah, and we get a almost a complete song. Almost all of She Loves You, yeah. There's just a, an ever so slight bit that's cut out at the beginning, I think. Yeah, and the, again, the quality is really good. The quality is really pretty good. Okay, the second clip we get is a Beatles appearance on Doctor Who in 1965. This is BBC One. Our next <laughs> <program> <laughs> is due to start just under one minute. Vicky, what year have you got on there? 1965? The producers of the show had attempted to get the Beatles on to perform a song while in old man makeup. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So they then went around and found a clip which had aired on top of the Pops and Ticket to Ride appears as the time travelers are watching what they call a time-space visualizer. Okay. That wasn't like a time tunnel thing, was it? They were in the TARDIS, and they had basically a TV which could tune into a signal from any time period. Okay. They're somewhere off in the future, and to open the story, they're sitting around watching TV. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Have you seen that entire episode? I have seen that entire episode. Now, the really both slightly interesting and slightly sad thing about that is that performance of Ticket to Ride no longer exists. The BBC burned the tape, the Beatles tape. So the only copy of it, and you know, we only get a section of it, was in that episode of Doctor Who. That episode still remains. Oh my goodness. That's it for that piece of performance? That's crazy. As we know, Doctor Who is going to have a Beatles episode later this spring. I've actually never watched a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> so maybe after 60 years, I should. You, you, well, you, you <laughs> at least watch the one that's coming up, Aliens in Studio 3. And this little clip also, didn't this person, I get her the person's name, Vicky, she made a weird comment. At that time, you had the main character, you had Doctor Who, the doctor, who, mm-hmm. who, who was this alien, and then his granddaughter was there with them. And you had these two school teachers that they'd picked up. Uh, the granddaughter's school teachers accidentally stumbled in this time machine and managed to send themselves <laughs> hurtling through time. For them, it was back in time? Back and forward, you know. They, yeah, okay. They, they could never get them quite back to their own time. Okay. For a good long while. And, and so they also picked up another companion, this girl, Vicky, from the uh, 25th century. Oh, 25th century. Okay. Now, okay. remember, this is 1965. May the 22nd, 1965. They play the clip and, and, you know, they they, obviously the people from the 60s are kind of going, oh, wow, cool. You know, this is really great. Then they ask, well, well, Vicky, what do you think about them? It's like, well, I mean, you know, I really like classical music. The first thing, okay, it's a joke. It's classical music. And of course I know about them. I visited the Beatles Memorial Museum in Liverpool. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) This is 1965. They were just another pop band at that time. But not to Vicky. Not to Vicky. Because she's from the 25th century. This happens frequently enough that you know, maybe you think the writers do know something. Yeah. They predicted the existence of a king and got the year right, like in the 70s. Oh, really? <laughs> they did a story in the, in the 2020s, and they make mention of a king now. I mean, you know. That's not that much of a stretch, but there are several yeah. instances like that. Yeah, yeah. But, it's pretty, but, you know, pretty crazy. <laughs> in, in 1965, to say, you know, I mean, it was just a gag, sure, but still, to say that in 65, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I've been to their memorial theater in Liverpool. I think I'm going to be sad. All right, so that is then followed by the Intertel promo. Now, 
The Beatles are back with the release of a new single, Free as a Bird. It's We're pretty far away from the Madding crowd here, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. yes. marvellous. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice and quiet. Lovely place, this. A Scottish interview from 1964. And they don't play all of that. Oh, just a little bit. Just a piece of it. Yeah. The weird thing is they cut off the gag at the end. What was the gag? What you see in the interview, it's basically, oh, how do you like Scotland? And how do you like being out here in the country? Quote, unquote. And you hear screaming girls off in the distance. And it's like, oh, what do, you, or do you like being away from everything and everybody? That interview goes on. The very end, the camera turns around and you see that there's a girl school across the way. And that <laughs> girls have escaped from the school and they're sitting there watching the yeah, Beatles. Out in the country, right? <laughs> out in the country, exactly. That is then followed by the Intertel promo for Day Tripper. Yeah, those are nice. Very nice videos. They only filmed how many different times? I've seen at least two or three, four different versions. They filmed videos for five songs on that day, but they actually filmed 10 separate clips on that day. Yeah, okay. And they also filmed the the one which became a clip later, the infamous fish and chips. You know, they didn't even get a break for their lunch. They were still filming during their (laughs) lunch, and they turned that into a promo. And we, we got most of that. Yeah, yeah, OnePlus has the vast majority of those. They don't have all the versions of all those. They certainly have one of each of the five, and I think they've got Mm -hmm. a couple of others. I think there may just be one or two missing off of that. I think I have them all on VHS. Meet in a parking lot, we can trade tapes. (laughs) Across all the various collections, we do have these, but uh, it's a good copy that they've got. We get a pop-up here, which tells us that, oh, that wasn't enough. On that same day, they did interviews for the Saturday Club Christmas shows. Right. Which we have on tape. So it wasn't enough that they had 10 videos, 10 promo films to make. They also did an hour of running around talking to Brian Matthews for Saturday Club. They were so busy. Epstein had them booked solid. And it so, paid off, obviously. Well, it works. The official promo for Day Tripper got its exclusive first showing on Top of the Pops on December the 2nd, 1965, and was shown again on the Christmas Day episode three weeks later. People seem to be saying there's no Mersey sound, but there definitely is a sound. It, it's a sound of its own. It, it's a sound that you don't find anywhere else in the country. Okay, then we move into our second clip, the twist and shout clip from Mersey Sound. That's the one, the collarless suits, right? They're tied. The painfully painted on sweat. <laughs> yeah. Every time they would turn off the camera, someone would come on and throw little drops of water on them because both John and George are glistening from what is supposed to be sweat. I know. It's quite apparent in at least this version of the videos. Obviously, no one had televisions that could see that at that point in time, but it's just kind of amusing from from where we are. And this, more than the She Loves You clip, the crowd shots from the Odeon Theater the night before definitely do not match up. Is England currently uh, digital? All the, all the TVs are yeah, digital? Yeah, it, yeah. It's Everybody? digital across okay. the board. At the time, even the black and white television was nowhere near what we had. It was you know yeah. half the number of scan lines, which is why was, a lot of the stuff from those days just looks like, well, crap. It was PAL, right? P-A-L? It was PAL, yeah. Oh, uh, and we had NTSC. back to doing something else oh i don't know i'd, I'd miss doing this but i i think i'd think of something else to do something what would you that do? i'd like to do um write songs for other people 
Anything completely different? Completely different. Uh, retire, you know, that, that, that's completely different. <laughs> Next clip, David Frost uh, interviewed Paul in, oh, 64? We get a bit of that degree of Frost, but the amusing thing about that is uh, the bit they choose to play is the very end where they talk about the inevitable, oh, what happens when the bubble's going to burst? And Paul talks about, oh, well, we'll go on writing songs. And Frost earnestly goes, when are you going to retire? It's like, oh, you know, maybe someday, but I, I don't know when. And then it's like, well, maybe like 2010. <laughs> that was 13 years ago now. <laughs> and no sign of retirement. If we flock tomorrow, it, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be sad, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it wouldn't really worry me. Thank you very much. It'll be a great pleasure to watch Paul McCartney in retirement, but it will probably be in the year about 2010, I should think. Thank you. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't that far out, that no, fellow, was no, he? No, he was pretty good. Because here we are two years after that date, and you're nowhere near retiring, are you? Not really, you know. No, I, I saw something I, I wrote, or was quoted as saying the other day, it'd be pretty sad to be prancing around on a stage at 40. <laughs> no, I'm still prancing. One of David Frost's final interviews uh, yeah. was with Paul, and, and they had a good laugh over that. They played that. David Frost was so young <laughs> this interview. They were both so young. Thank you very much. It'll be a great pleasure to watch Paul McCartney in retirement, but it will probably be in the year about 2010. Okay, as loud as you like, the song is another new one for the new LP. It's called Money. We go on to what is one of my favorite clips and one that they don't tell us why, but we know why it's sad does not exist in its entirety. It's money from... It's the Beatles, the Liverpool performance that they did. The entire show does not exist because the BBC handed the master tape over to their trainee editors. They handed the master over to their trainee editors. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so we only have about four songs from the video fortunately the audio exists in its entirety because they yeah. also played it on bbc radio so there is a good copy of the complete audio but it's like ah i tell you so we only have really how many songs four four maybe four and a half you can see yeah. one of the edits at like the very top of the clip that they play yeah and it's like oh my goodness why couldn't you just give them copies make a, make a copy you know, give them the original, but keep a, a safe copy. You know? Keep a safety copy. I mean, <laughs> especially because you look at this, it was filmed really well. The camera angles, everything is very akin to what we got in Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Uh, you had them up in the balcony and the positioning was just right. And it was in Liverpool and it's, well, oh. Forgive them for they do not know. <laughs> the pop-ups, what they tell us, they'll admit that they trashed the top of the pops, but they won't admit that they got rid of this. The Radio Times had, in their review of this, said that the parents may have to uh, stand by for their stampeding teenagers and that <laughs> the teenagers may even manage to convert their parents to Beatlemania with this special. <laughs> That's funny. The other thing that happened that same day in Liverpool was that the Beatles filmed a jukebox jury. That same day. The video for that also does not exist, but we do have the complete audio, and Kit and Marv and I have discussed this because, well, it fits right in with what we do on top of most. Yeah, they were, I guess the Beatles were critiquing other songs, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what yeah. Jukebox Jury was. It was yeah. it was kind of a Cisco and Ebert thing, but they would have celebrities come in and rate the pop records. Yeah, and John was the one that gave everyone thumbs down for the most part. Not for this show. No? John had done a Jukebox Jury earlier, like a couple days after Paul's birthday. Okay. And so, well, we, we know what happened in... <laughs> on Paul's birthday in 63. On that show, John was not in a good mood and he voted everything a thumbs down. He voted everything a miss. Here he was a bit more amenable. Right. Even though there were some really pretty lame songs on there. They had Kiss Me Quick from Elvis, which is just a terrible record. The other three voted it a miss, but John said, oh, maybe it'll be. Oh, so he was being nice. Yeah! 
This is BBC Television. It's one o'clock. Hello. Well, although your uh, clock at home may show a few seconds after one o'clock, uh, Grandstand, in fact, begins some six hours earlier, because as I talk to you now, the time is just after seven o'clock, and I'm speaking from the observation platform at London Airport. Perhaps the most sought-after Grandstand in Britain today. Well, now, in just a few minutes, a Boeing 707 is due to arrive from New York and carrying it, uh, carrying in it four remarkable young men from Liverpool. Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, George Harrison and John Lennon. What can you say? Oh, yeah, Tomorrow okay. never knows. I want to hold you. Oh, please, say to me. How does it feel to be married to a very famous man? Very nice. Well, I'm sure you wanted a rather different honeymoon from this. What do you think about all this? Well, you know, it, we took a chance. We tried to keep it quiet, and we tried to arrive here quiet, but we must have been spotted, and that's the end of it, you know. So from now on, it's not really a honeymoon. It's just... We get uh, a bit of an interview with Ringo. Oh, yeah. We, we've seen that before. Yeah, yeah, we've That's seen that before, planned. but I noticed his polka dot shirt here. Very fashionable was Ringo. Yeah, even before Psychedelli. And we will note that this was February, and Zach was born seven months later in September. I guess yeah. we know why they got married. Oh, that was a quick uh, labor. Only took seven months for this kid to be born. Seven, seven <laughs> months plus two. Yeah, let's get married before she starts showing. <laughs> Now we know the rest of the story, folks, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> just look at Ringo's shirt. It's a really nice shirt. Next time we talk to Deirdre, she can tell us about that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> As we say, they don't go in any kind of real chronological order. It's Ringo, where did you propose? When or well, where? In a club. Well, can you tell me which club? Yes. You don't mind a plug. The Adlib Club. <laughs> you made it up as you went to the fun. Uh, no. oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Bad joke. No, you know, I sort of was thinking about it, and I just sort of said, you know, will you marry me? And she said, yes, have another drink. <laughs> and we did, and that was it. So. Well, there you are in the photo. I'll add my congratulations. Thank you both Thanks very again. much. Ed, my Thanks. Thank you okay. very much. Thank you. All right, goodbye. <laughs> Hope not to see you out my window again. <laughs> So they move on to the something video. Now, this is not a real good copy of the something video. No, it's not at all. <laughs> it looks like it's an old film. We've got really pretty good copies of this on OnePlus. This one is not great. Yeah, and I was surprised they kind of jumped to 69 so quickly. Because they go back to 65. It's like, wait, what's something's wrong here? Somebody edited something. They must give it to film students to edit, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's one pop-up which I do want to take notice of. This promo was shown just once in the UK in black and white on top of the pops. It was a double A-sided single along with Come Together and was famously described by Frank Sinatra as the greatest love song ever written. That's true, but they also leave off the joke. Again, they leave off the joke because... Not only did he call it the greatest love song, he called it the greatest Lennon-McCartney song of That's all That's right. Maybe they just didn't like humor for this thing. Well, there's only so much pop-up space, Ed. <laughs> there are over a hundred of these pop-ups that show up in an hour plus. So, If you're into that, you're going to love this show. Again, it's like we were talking about with that Life in 10 Pictures doc. This is aimed not necessarily at us. The Scottish interview is for us. And they don't put any pop-ups over it. You will note that. But, you know, kind of the rest of these clips are aimed at early Beatle fans, I would say. Yeah. Someone who's interested yeah. enough to watch it but may not know all these details. Yeah. Grandpa's going to watch this, but the grandkids are too. <laughs> so let's <laughs> exactly. put some pop-ups up. <laughs> don't want to leave now. 
hear a few words about the awful. I was bored on the 9th of October 1940 when I believe the Nasties were still booming. This is then followed by something that I remember chasing after for years and years on video. And I was so happy when I finally got. And here we actually get really pretty high quality copies of this. Two of John Lennon's appearances on uh, not only but also this was uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Right. And years before I knew who Dudley Moore was. You didn't go to see like... Arthur? I didn't see Dudley Moore until 1980. 10. He appeared on 10. It's like, who's this guy? I think I vaguely knew about the original Bedazzled. There was no internet to go to at the time. (laughs) Peter Cook was definitely an unknown figure to Americans at that point in time. It wasn't until later, and I did get the videos, and I saw Dudley Moore and Peter Cook, and I said, oh, this makes sense. That's who those guys are. (laughs) Yeah. John appeared a couple times. During the Beatlemania years, he came on and read some of his poetry. Yeah. We get a clip from then where he read the uh, the about the awful piece. And these are really good clips, like you just said, with the uh, not only, but also excellent clips. Uh, and then in 66, John dressed up as a doorman because they did a sketch about the Ad Lav Club. Yeah. You'll notice that Ringo mentioned that he asked Maureen to marry him at the Ad Lib, which is the real club. And so they turned it into a high-class underground toilet, the the Ad Lav. There you go. (laughs) So John was the doorman. and He had his hair like he would have it in Sgt. Pepper. He just didn't have the mustache. Yeah, this is post How I Won the War and pre-Strawberry Fields. But he had his glasses. He kept them from How I Won the War. Yeah. This may be the best copy of this sketch that I have. I've got some pretty good copies, but I think this one yeah. may be a step up. This is the other thing that you're really going to want as a collector. I would agree with you. They did release that series. I think that was still late VHS. I've got that. That was the best copy I had until now, okay. maybe. You're talking about the Not Only But Always series? Not Only But Also, yes. Also. The other reason we know Peter Cook and Dudley Moore is they recorded L.S. Bumblebee. That's right. Which for years and years was thought to be a lost Beatles song. I know. I have that 45 somewhere. <laughs> and it appeared on bootlegs galore. Yeah, it really did. Even a L.S. Bumblebee bootleg was out back then. As a member of the most publicified Beatles, my and PG&R's record might seem funnier to some of you than this book. But as far as I'm conceived, this correction of short Richie is the best laugh I've ever read God help and breed you all. Now, the resurgence of interest in the Beatles is going on and on and on. There are four Beatles oldies in the chart. There's another six hovering outside. There's Strawberry Fields Forever just outside the top 30 as well. And here with the novel one, Pan's People, and a paperback writer. Paperback writer. This is followed by a clip which I admit... I'd never seen. I'd seen some Top of the Pops. You you watch this clip, you really see where Solid Gold stole everything from. I know. This is 76. I think for us, you know, there was Soul Train. I mean, that was largely African-American stuff. But then that was followed as we went into the disco era by this show called Solid Gold. Right. You play the hits and you had... You had dancers. I'll let go dancers. It was apparently Top of the Pops turned into much the same thing. There are no actual performers, at least in this video. (laughs) And they do tell us that the Beatles did Paperback Rider on Top of the Pops, and that also no longer exists, although we do have a section of it because someone taped it off the TV. Someone filmed it, I guess. They, Someone had a home video uh-huh, camera and yeah. filmed it. So we, we've got about like 90 seconds of that. They sync the soundtrack to it. We still have the soundtrack. But in 1976, after the contract ran out. Yeah, the Beatles, EMI. But EMI still had the right to re-release whatever they want in whatever form they wanted to do. As it tells us in the pop-up, EMI ended up reissuing every Beatles single and released yesterday for the very first time. As a result, in April 1976, the UK Top 100 contained 23 Beatles singles, with yesterday reaching number eight. Yeah, and we got uh, rock and roll music reissue. As I told Kit, (laughs) here's what we have to look forward to in 12 years on Top or Most. And those are actually really nice 
re-releases of the singles. I've collected about half of those. Yeah, I've got most of them, about half myself. I bought them at the time in 76. Uh, there was a record store here in Houston called The Groove. Remember The Groove? Uh-huh. Yeah, and, I remember uh, The Groove. Yeah, yeah there in, uh, in Houston here. And uh, they would have a lot of imports. So I bought most of mine there at, at The Groove. Really, those at the green border, right? The green border, exactly. Those are the ones I'm referring to. The video clip itself is uh, girls in. They're just dancing. Yeah. They're cute <laughs> girls. They are very much in disco outfits, dancing around. Uh, well, they have paperback, paperback they, book. Yeah, yeah, they have paperback <laughs> books. They have those spinning carousels. You remember those spinning carousels that they used to sell paperbacks on? Yeah. I remember those from like Walgreens. They still have them, I, th- I believe. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in bookstores. You go into Barnes and Noble, if you still have a Barnes and Noble, you're not going to see anything like that. So you, you get a bunch of girls in disco outfits dancing around, picking up books and ostensibly reading them. But the way they're dancing, there's no way they're reading. <laughs> Funny stuff. A moment in time, Ed. George, do you think all this success is just a one-night stand, or can you settle down to a, a permanent life in showbiz? Well, um... We'll just have to wait and see. I think um, in a few months' time, it'll probably level out a bit. I mean, it can't go on the way it has been going. But we're hoping, anyway. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Then they skip back more Intertel videos. You know, those cannot be bad. Those are fun to watch. I can watch those all day long. You, know? you got 11 of them there, so... Uh... <laughs> watch them over and over. All three <laughs> versions of Day Tripper, I Feel Fine. <laughs> help. That's the great help where they're doing it on the rocking horse. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is a snowing? It's snowing. Clip. Yes. But, uh, so we get a few of those. The pop-ups here now tell us that this week saw the Beatles also kicking off their final UK tour It started in Glasgow on December 3rd, 1965, and ended 10 days later in Cardiff. Quick tour, 10 days. Then we also learned that We Can Work It Out, Day Tripper, double A-sided single, reached number one on December 5th, the same day that the band performed their last ever gig in Liverpool. They never went back. They never went back. So 1965. We can work it out. This is London's most fashionable laboratory spot. Here, film stars rub shoulders with royalty in an atmosphere of cosmopolitan sophistication. (laughs) Good evening. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Are you a member? I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm from American television. I'm doing an interview downstairs. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. You must be a member to go in here. Lovely. All you know, sir. Thank you. And madam. Last Tuesday, four very famous musicians made the headlines when they were invited to visit Buckingham Palace. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! Next up, we get a clip from Blue Peter. Blue Peter, which is quite possibly the best known of the children's shows from the UK. Yeah, that name was mentioned several times. We get at least one more clip from Blue Peter. I've never heard of Blue Peter. It's been around, it's still on the air, and it's been around since uh, like 62 or 63. Oh, okay. We just had a clip from Freddie and the Dreamers when they were (laughs) on Blue Peter over on the top of both side. Well, I mean, the thing about the British shows is that the pop acts tended to do the children's shows. I guess they were. They figured that they were going to buy well, the I mean, records. That, that, that was their audience. Blue Peter was the first to show footage that we're all pretty familiar with. Uh, we, you know, we usually see it acknowledged as newsreel footage, but apparently Blue Peter had it first. All the footage of the girls mobbing the police and trying to climb the gates of Buckingham Palace. Okay. You know, as the Beatles were, were getting their MBEs. Okay, so it was all that chaos that was going on at the gates. That's kind of disturbing for young people, though, I would think. <laughs> Look, Mom, there's a riot. Despite that fact, they aired it on a children's show, and they still can't quite get over it. The, <laughs> the pop-up they have here says, Blue Peter ran this item. 
despite footage showing young fans wrestling with the police and trying to scale the gates at Buckingham Palace, not behavior the program would normally condone. I love that. <laughs> We're going to show you what not to do. What did your wife say when she knew you had it? She said, oh. Just like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have a clue what really what it was either, but she's pleased. You know? yeah. I tried to get her one, but she couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> In actual fact, because John's voice, there wasn't a kind of great upfront recording quality. Then we move on. They play a little interview clip where they're talking about the 95 re-release, the, the, new, the new songs from 95, and the BBC decided not to air them. That's crazy. I did not know that information. Because if I sang along with it, it didn't sound too good because my voice was much rounder than John's. It's just much more, eh, you know, there. So I had to do a bit of that. Real love. They put out in their press release, is not what our listeners want to hear. We are a contemporary music station. Okay, guys. We're not going to play a, a, <laughs> a song by the Beatles. A new song from the Beatles, yeah. yeah a new and song so at that. Paul had some very choice words for them, which they do dutifully summarize in the ensuing pop-ups. I can't remember what uh, uh, stations here in Houston were playing or not, because I wasn't listening to the stations anyway <laughs> at that point. KLOL played it, they, but they also, they, depending upon which jocks were on the air, sometimes they made fun of it. They played it, and then they made fun of it. Yeah. We had KRBE at the time. That was at the top 40. That probably wasn't going to play it, no. They were busy playing Atlantis Morissette or somebody. Like the oldies stations <laughs> did play it here. They make mention of Kenny Everett's Where It's At premiere of Pepper, which we have that in its entirety. You can go and find it on your Dutch imports or... Nowadays, it's on YouTube as well. Everything's on YouTube, folks. But once again, they would not let Kenny Everett play Day in the Life. That was legitimately banned by the BBC. I can't remember. Why? I'd love to turn you on. Oh, that's right. Duh. <laughs> that was the big thing back then. I was always frightened of classical music and I never wanted to listen to it because it was Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and sort of big words like that and Schoenberg. You know, you know I always thought... Paul McCartney. I mean, something like a taxi driver the other day had some sheet music of a Mozart thing. You know, it's like if you look at a snapshot of yourself, you're looking at what tie you were wearing or whether you were looking nice in the snapshot. You know, but anyone else would just take the snapshot and say, oh, that's good. So what they're showing is they're showing the Lucy bit from Yellow Submarine. Right. Then they have a pop-up telling us, many have claimed that the BBC also banned Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because of LSD references, but in 2014, a documentary found no evidence of this ever happening. They probably did ban it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they banned McCartney back in the early 70s. just don't see as much of George as we used to do. He's away so much. George Harrison's mother. Of course, as soon as he comes back, he's always, he always visits us or we go down and visit him, you know. George says, I think you're really more popular than I am now, Mum, you know, and he sees all the letters and he has a good laugh about it. And especially when he reads some of them, they say, dear Mum, you know, he says, who's this then, you know? <laughs> We go on to uh, Your Mother Should Know from Magical Mystery Tour. They credit it as 1968. I don't know if that's a mistake. Well, we know it wasn't in 68. Well, but the first airing in color was in 68. Oh, okay. On a technicality, you could say they're correct, yeah. but I tend to think it's a mistake. As we all know, it premiered on Boxing Day in 1967. 60 Right, and it was and not until February, BBC Two? January the 5th, actually. Okay. It says that in one of these pop-ups here. They do make the point that it was in black and white, not because they wanted to show it in black and white, but because 
BBC One was black and white right. only in right. 1967. Right. They they had yet to flip the switch. It was like on the, the second or the third that they flipped the switch. That's pretty amazing. I remember getting our first color TV in 67. They continue, on January 5th, Magical Mystery Tour was repeated on BBC Two, this time in color. Yay. John Lennon called the BBC idiots for not doing it this way in the first place. You got to love that. Damn right. But that does bring up my question is, why did the Beatles think it would be in color? Unless the BBC had gone to them and said, oh yeah, we'll have the color ready by then. That something happened and they had to delay it two weeks, three weeks, a month. But they had told the Beatles, yeah, it'll be up. And it's like, well, we can't change the schedule now. We've got to show it. Right. But I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll show it in black and white. There was a reason for it. Right. Technically, there was no color. (laughs) Available at that time. It's more fun in the record if there's a few sounds that you don't really know what they are and really they're just instruments, only something happens on here, you know. I couldn't tell you what because we have a special man who sits here and goes like this and the guitar turns into a piano or something, you know. Got power, you've got to use it for the good. In the town where I was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told us of his life in the land of submarines they continue there's a weird pop-up mentioning that bbc's play school presenters were performing a version months before the animated film was released my thoughts on that well yeah revolver had been out for two years all right we Then they play another clip which shows UK strikers from around that time singing We All Live on Bread and Margarine to the tune of Yellow Submarine (laughs) to show you just how widespread the song became. Right. I thought that was unusual, but there's a film clip of it. And it's the latest thing in furniture. It's a stainless steel shelf set and... It's been designed by a very famous gentleman. It's Ringo Starr. Hello, Ringo. Welcome to Blue Peter. Thank you. How long have you been designing furniture now? About 18 months. 18 months. This was the very first thing that you uh, designed, and from this, everything else grew. Well, I I met the guy who I work with. It's quite Um, fascinating, isn't it? This is Steve Race in the Beatles recording studio in London, where the latest Beatle record is at this moment being built up. Not just a single performance, but a whole montage of performances. With some friends in to help the atmosphere, this is quite an occasion. This moves into the complete Our World clip. You know, normally they snip it right at the beginning of the song, but there is an additional four minutes before the song starts. We are told that Our World was sent to five continents and 400 million people. You know, 400 million people just doesn't sound like that many these days. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, that was big deal. But that, that was the whole world in 1968. I mean, it wasn't, but the whole world who could see television in 1968 right, was... Right. It goes through that. They do play all... The stuff with George Martin and them looking out into the studio and, and all the stuff prior to the song, and that remains in black and white. Right. As they go into the song, they do the anthology trick. It goes into color, and they play out the clip in color. Colorized version of it. So we're getting to the end of the hour plus. Hi, Paul McCartney here. When we asked Peter Jackson to make a video for our new single, Now and Then, 
He said he didn't know how to make a music video, but he was going to make it anyway. Well, I think he passed the audition. Judge for yourselves. Here it is. Now and then. Paul, we see current Paul from November of 2023. So Paul had filmed this and it was in, originally intended only to show on the internet premiere of Now and Then. Supposedly you had to have tuned in right when they released it. The first stream included this intro from Paul and it was never going to be seen again. And it's like, that's not the case. Okay, really? <laughs> well, obviously they put it in this BBC special as well, but I actually had to go searching because I did not see it right when it first came out the first stream of the video i had just started with the song right right same here i'm playing this over and over and over and over and over now we get old paul in old paul current paul let's be nice talking about getting peter jackson into this special how peter jackson complained oh i've never made a music video before and well well now he has <laughs> watching through now and then again, you look at Paul and Ringo, the shot of them together, that really looks fake. Well, it was. <laughs> it really didn't look so bad on my computer screen. Or even the streaming version that I got through Disney+. Plus. But for some reason, this one <laughs> in particular, and it may just be the angles and things. And it, Maybe. so. It's very clear that Ringo and Paul are not in the same room. Yeah. Kind of like Ebony and Ivory. That video, they were not in the same room when they recorded it. That is why Stevie and Paul never really interact. Yeah. One of my other complaints, the George Harrison on the Empire State Building from 63 still looks terrible. You think so? His face looks yeah. way too smoothed out. Well, yeah, I guess they... I don't know. You think AI took over and tried to smooth things out? Well, I mean, I think yeah. it did the best it could, but they probably shouldn't have denoised it quite so much. Yeah. It kind of doesn't look like charged. They took out all the film grain. And yeah. while it looks good, we know the source. It doesn't look like the source so much, and it doesn't quite look like George. I mean, of course, George was looking a little bit different at that point in time, but still... They smoothed it out a little bit too much. Just a little bit too much. It goes through, and the very last pop-up we get here is, the song's first radio broadcast came 60 years after the band's first ever live appearance on the BBC, demonstrating once again the enduring bond that's always existed between the Beeb and the Beatles, both now and then. How clever. Other than banning of songs when they ban. <laughs> Other than that, we had a great relationship. <laughs> Some of the clips we did not mention, we do get the free as a bird promotion. That is clipped a little bit because they put a little news clip in front of it. You know, people going and collecting their copy of the CD and, and the first airing of it on the BBC. Right. There is a clip from Grandstand in February of 1964. Again, you've seen the clip, but I never quite realized that Grandstand was a sports show. You've seen the clip. It's of the Beatles return home to uh, London after their American trip on the 22nd of February 1964. But they were so big, the BBC said, oh, well, we don't care if you're a sports show. Go and cover this. Yeah, and they did. You also get the real love clip in there. Right. And that interview with Paul at Pebble Mill, we, we discussed that a little bit. We get several clips from uh, a 1968 special called Omnibus, clips we are familiar with, and those we've never seen quite in this format. It, it's the ones with Paul on the mustard yellow jacket. Yeah. That was uh, that's 68, right? That was 68, 68 yes. special. I mean, it, but it was not just a Beatles special. It was more pop music special in general, which okay. included a feature on the Beatles. Okay. 
one of the other bits we get out of there, we get to see Louise Harrison from 1968. Yeah. She talks about receiving fan mail and, and how George kids her about her being the more famous one now. <laughs> That's right. The sad thing about that is, well, she would start showing signs of her illness within a year of this interview. By okay. by mid-1970, she was gone. Oh, goodness. It's kind of nice that she's there, you know? At least we have some of it. And then we got another Blue Peter appearance, uh, Ringo from 1971, wearing a very, very loud suit. <laughs> I don't recall that one. I must have missed it. <laughs> He's not selling records. This was when he was doing the furniture oh, business. Oh, that's right. That's I've, You know, I've seen that clip somewhere before. The clip in its entirety is on YouTube, but this one is crystal clear. That's another clip, which is, despite the pop-ups, it's in its best form here. Yeah. But I think I had that on, on tape way before YouTube. I had a clip of that. Someone, I'm sure, filmed it off the TV. Yeah, it was something like that. And then I think it was either repeated or there was a videotape copy in the 90s. Yeah. And so that's been cleaned up several generations, and that's the one that's on YouTube these days. He had this unusual furniture that he was selling. He still wasn't sure what he was going to do, whether he was going to be an actor, whether he was still going to be a musician, or... Well, let's sell furniture. Yeah, he was in everything. And where are you going to go to sell furniture? You're going to go on a children's show. <laughs> Why not, folks? <laughs> that's everything that's in there. They've got a really nice compilation of things that have aired on the BBC. Well, it's nothing hugely new. You know, like I said, there are bits and pieces. It's definitely worth searching out for the uh, higher quality sound on the bits from uh, 1963 TV. Yeah, and how can we find this? It is not available in the U.S. I'm sure someone's going to put it on YouTube. Someone has already created a bootleg DVD of this, so if you're okay. if you're if you're in okay. that market, you can certainly go out and locate it. Uh, it is also available in the usual places you go to find, uh, well, things which have not been released. That's right. And only Ed knows. You and about 10 million other people. Yeah. For those of you newer to the Beatles, there's a lot of really good information in those pop-ups, believe it or not. Interesting stuff, folks. I do kind of wish that – actually, I kind of wish that the BBC would just put all this together and put it out there. Just put out like a – 10 dvd box set with all of this stuff in its entirety i don't know how apple would quite feel about that oh that's what i have to get that in writing first get their <laughs> yeah, permission they at least have permission to show it and it's a worthwhile showing and clearly the beatles were amenable because well they were busy trying to sell the new song at the time right and it is nice to have the real love and free as a bird and now and then videos together in one place that would be nice yeah well, I mean, in the special, uh, again, yeah. yes, we're missing we're missing the very opening with the bird flying around. But it's still nice to have those three clips together that you can watch them. Yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah. Most of the clips can be found in their entirety on YouTube, but not all of them. And very few of them, you know, some of them, we got really good copies of the Intertel. Those are as good as what's here. We obviously have Blu-ray copies of Yellow Submarine and Magical Mystery Tour. So probably... About half of this you can find in comparable quality yeah. in its entirety. But the other half, there's a lot of stuff in here which uh, you might be able to find in its entirety on YouTube, but it's not going to look as good as it does here. No, no, not at all. And if you're so, looking for Ringo's furniture, well, good luck. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that's rare. He plays with that little water toy. They, they include that clip. <laughs> I've seen that going for a couple thousand dollars. Oh, is that On right? eBay, yeah. Oh. You could own a piece of Ringo's furniture now, folks. And Ringo sold the business to his partner, and it's still around, believe it or not. It is? That's uh, The company is still around. I mean, yeah. they, they don't yeah. sell any of the original furniture, but Ringo's partner owns the company and okay. still operates to okay. this very day, believe it or not. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, go watch some Blue Peter. Blue Peter is a lot of fun, and they do occasionally have <laughs> Beatles references on it. There you go, folks. Go find Paperback Rider and go find Ticket to Ride from Top of the Pops. We'd like those, please. It's around somewhere. All right. Thanks, all. Next week, we will have the new band on the run. 
Ooh, that's right. It's coming out. It will be upon us by the time you yeah. are listening to yeah. this. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Be safe, folks. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice again.